The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Good evening. Welcome to the Big I Footy Port Adelaide power. podcast preview show for Round 6 versus Richmond on Saturday night at Adelaide Oval. Uh, I'm Portia, and joining me tonight are Fishing Rick 04 and Dylan 8, so a few numbers in the round group. How's it going, guys? Yay! Portia. Awesome. <laughs> Very are we, good. Are we, are we really excited uh, about this week? I'm really keeping my excitement under wraps right now. I'm really, yay. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> so exciting. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, okay. Yeah, well, look, um, as, as far as the hot topics this, as far as the hot topics this week, um, I think we're the top hot topic this week. I don't think there's anything around the AFL that's more significant than what we just saw come up. Uh, as our changes for the week about two hours ago. Um, the big news, obviously, is that both Chad Wingard and Robbie Gray are out for the game against Richmond this weekend. Um, thoughts? Well, we can't uh, risk the Chad if he's got concussion. No, no, Can I'm we? not saying we should, but how, do, how much of an impact do you think that's going to have on the game? Oh, we're screwed. <laughs> uh, seriously. Seriously, who, I mean, his output was minimal last week wasn't it so you don't you don't really know so if he's under the weather you'd hope that who's his replacement or we're getting into that too early we'll hope his replacement can uh, do better than him i wish it was john butcher but it's not so that'll make me slightly happier about it but yeah for for chad for anyone really if there was i'm sorry i'm I'm rambling about butcher already yeah i'll shut up is there a Conspiracy <laughs> on Robbie Gray. What do you mean a conspiracy? Well, was he is he injured in italic brackets, or is Robbie being uh, omitted for his uh, petulance I don't last know. week? Um, we, we can't afford to do that now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we can. And also, if you're admitting someone for petulance, then usually the response to that would be shaming them, which you would do quite publicly, I would think. Like, um, I don't know, back with Andrew Jarman in the day when he got uh, vocally dropped to Nord uh, from the Crows, I think that was sort of the most classic uh, example of that. Um, <laughs> that was a very unhappy relationship. But yeah. Uh, look, well, we've, uh, done a, we've done enough public sh- public shaming already in the last week or so, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really interesting how we were thinking Port had everything together and then this year we've got two Corns brothers in action between them. They're causing all kinds of ruckus. So um, some of it's okay, I reckon, and some of it's just... I don't know. I think some people have that in their personality that, that need to be different and contrary, and that's okay. People have that. I've got a bit of that. Not, not, not. I don't think anyone's got as much as the, is in the Corns family genes, but there you go. <laughs> well, I'm going to derail your agenda straight away. And what did you guys think about um, Chad Corns's um, take on the criticism of the AFL to SANFL contracted um, players? Obviously, what I heard on Monday night, I didn't like it. Um, Macca didn't mind it. Thoughts? Um, personally, I didn't mind it, um, but I think it's it's the fact that it seems to be at odds with the senior coach is the part that is concerning. Um, so I would think that that's the sort of thing that you'd want to see an assistant or an assistant coach or a second level coach, whatever you want to call him. Um, that's the sort of 
output you want from a coach that is has the full support of coaching above them. So they're saying, look, you know, um, how do you think of the guys? Just be completely brutally honest and then the players can work with that because they need to know 100% what they need to be doing, that they need to be playing team football to get promoted and all that sort of thing. So for that to happen at odds with the senior coach, um, that's problematic for both parties. Um, number one, the senior coach doesn't have control and the second one is that Chad obviously is acting on his own. So that's a little worrying. Mm. But I, I personally thought the criticism was fair. We know that there's, uh, the way that you get into the top side is by getting numbers. Um, you don't necessarily get in by doing all the team things, and the team things you do at SANFL level are so different in terms of like things like reaction time needed and pace needed at the SNFL level to the AFL level that it's almost not entirely relevant. You know, things like Shepherds blocking, um, doing short leads. I mean, you probably don't need a really amazing short lead for an AFL player to burn off most SNFL backmen, for example, or opposed midfielders. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Deal. What, do you, what do you reckon? Deal. Big deal. Well, what happened to the motto of what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom? Don't air your dirty uh, laundry. Oh, right. I'm not going to respond to that one. But, um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Why I don't not? know. I, I don't... I don't, I don't watch the Maggie, so I can't comment on the performances. But it's sort of when you when you see how Ken's gone against what he said, it, it just smacks of like typical Corns trying to sort of take over and assert themselves. Where maybe Corns should maybe just try and settle into his role and know his role as you know, as a he's he's a seconds coach basically. I mean, I don't know why he's trying to set a different agenda to whatever the senior coach is trying to put out. So it's 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 not really good for Team Harmony. Oh, mm. I guess I guess if you're looking... This is what I think about Chad Corns, is that if you were looking for someone at Port Adelaide and that has had Port Adelaide experience of it, that can recognise on site when a player is a bit big-headed and a bit ahead of themselves before they're actually a, a proper AFL player, I mean, Chad Corns is perfectly placed to identify that because he recognises that in himself. You know, when he started at the club back in, what, 98 or 99... Um, he thought he was pretty good. Uh, he was told a few times that he wasn't. And when he started playing, you know, after the first couple of years, like he was the most reliable team-oriented player around. Um, so I, I kind of reckon that there's a bit of that in it, in that if he can see it, it might be something that he can see that maybe even Hinkley can't because Hinkley was always pretty straight up, whereas Corns knows what it's like to sort of think you're too pretty good. I don't know. I, I just sort of feel like that's a different perspective probably to any of the other players who got in the... Uh, coaching box because I think Chad Corns is the only one that really had to deal with uh, the sorts of expectations that were placed upon him since before he was drafted um, and how that can mess with you because we're obviously in a situation now where draftees, we know start hearing about draftees when they're 14, 15 um, so they're in the spotlight and they have all these expectations put on them uh, Chad Corns is probably one of the few people that would have had that before this current era Yeah, mm-hmm. no? yeah you're probably right Mm. That's yeah, fair enough. I, yeah, well, he's a bit of a, an ego man. I don't think that's nothing wrong with that. He had a bit of a strut and confidence, but yeah, I just think leave it behind closed doors. But anyway, we uh, don't want to go back over old news too much, I guess. No. All right. Well, look, um, we'll go ahead cool. and we'll just... Um, last week, we sort of tried to mix up what looked like a potentially upsetting game, which ended up being a very upsetting game. By not talking about the last time they met straight away, but talking about maybe the last time or a good time that we beat them. So I thought this week we could talk about the first time they met in finals, 
which was uh, Port Betty Richmond uh, in the elimination final on the 7th of September 2014, Adelaide Oval. Um, Port kicked 20 goals, 12, 132, beating Richmond 11 goals, 9, 75. Uh, we kicked 8 goals, 1 to 1 goal 1 in the first quarter, and Richmond were never in it. Um, Jake Need was the top uh, goaler for Port Adelaide with three. Uh, and then we had, what, six, seven players all kick two goals apiece. Um, Travis Boak, BAG, 34 disposals with 16 contested. He absolutely killed it. And, of course, it was a game notable for two reasons. It was our first AFL final win at Adelaide Oval and our first time wearing prison bars in an AFL final, which I think added an extra little thrill Ooh. to the night. Yeah, it was a bloody good game, wasn't it? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to see something like that? Oh, again? you know... <laughs> You know we're completely out of hope when 18 months ago I was being referred to officially as the good times, but uh, it was a great game. Um, it's probably probably one of the only games I've watched back in full over the last couple of years because mm. uh, it's just such a delight. And seeing Rance spit the dummy is just, oh, it's, it's, it's great, great imagery, I reckon. And awesome that he's gone and done it again last week so we don't have to worry about him. Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to see yeah. Rance spit the dummy, you just wait a week, don't you? <laughs> I'm still trying to work out how we got the prison bars. I mean, we fight, we fought tooth and nail all the time for the prison bars, never got it, and then by some random chance, when you know, there's an obvious clash, we still get the prison bars, and it, it's because really they. Good. It's really cool. Rich, Richmond wanted to wear their full strip. I think that was something at the direction of Channel 7, even. And the funny thing is, we ended up wearing the prison bars, and they still ended up wearing their clash anyway. Yeah. So the whole thing was completely pointless, and we could have just worn our home strip. But we wore the prison bars anyway, and it was it was goddamn awesome. It, was, it just made it like so much better yeah, as a looked- visual spectacle. to see, seeing, the, seeing the guys line up, you know... Sun's out, great day. Seeing the guys line up before the game, it, it was just the most like I don't know together. I've, I think I've ever just seen this team on the field. Mm, it's just yeah, a look, great jumper. Oh, absolutely! Um, it's a great jumper. But also, um, look, I'm get, beginning to get an appreciation for these teams with the yellow in their colours to have a primarily yellow away guernsey. Like if you look at the like the current West Coast Eagles one, I mean that's brilliant. There's no way you can confuse that with any other side on the field. It just makes it such an easy viewing experience. And, of course, um, Richmond have got one as well. Um, it, it's nice to have that complete difference available. But, obviously, um, the prison bars, yeah, it's a great game. And um, you'd, oh, you'd have to say we're not going to get to wear it again. But who knows? Uh, it just keeps happening anyway. So that's nice. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's, we've got to start trying to push it every every couple of years before we lose our chance to make it a regular mm. thing. Yes, just just quietly, really happy that we can get a bit of footy jumpers discussion in. It's my forte. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Good work. All right. Well, look, um, unless you've got something else to say on that, I think it's probably time we move on to the actual last time they met, which was last year. Uh, <sighs> sorry. Round 8, 24th of May, 2015, Adelaide Oval. Uh, it was just an awful game. Um we only kicked, we kicked five goals, 13-43, uh, and Richmond kicked 11 goals, 10-76, and it was a 33-point loss, which when you see how low those scores are, it was absolutely ma- massive. Um, they almost uh, doubled our score with that kind of margin. 
Um, we only had three goal kickers for the for the night, and that was Chad Wingard, uh, Angus Monfries, and Robbie Gray. None of whom are playing this week, so we've lost a hundred percent of our goal kicking power from the last time we played. Um, we we won the rucks. Uh, we managed to go up against one ruckman with two, and that came out as a clear advantage. As um, Ivan Marich only came away with twenty two hitouts. And- Lobby and Ryder got twenty. And those players and aren't playing this week. <laughs> no, those players aren't playing this week. In fact, we've got hundred percent of our hitouts. Hundred percent of our hitouts are missing this week. <laughs> and importantly, they've got two ruckmen against our one, so they've got Merrick and they've got Hampson in. They've included Hampson, and they're both going to go up against Dougal Howard in what his second game. Um, so, yep. gee, if you've got, got a it. if you've got, got a, a fantasy sports team or whatever, just get on it. <laughs> I got a I got a great stat for you because everyone loves a novelty stat. Oh yeah. Uh, Dougal Howard has had four hitouts in his entire career, and the combined experience of Marich and and Hampson is four thousand seven hundred and twenty-eight. So we're we're about four thousand uh, we're about a thousand times behind their their rock experience. Oh Jesus! Which is <laughs> depressing. puts you puts it into perspective. Yeah. Well, we're not we're not really flushed for options, though, are we? No, but look, I mean, I've got to say my perspective on the ruck thing. I'll just we we'll just might as well discuss that one now. Um, is that if you bring Howard in? I think we've been trying to say bring Howard in, bring Howard in, but I don't think we ever really said just drop lobby and bring Howard in and ruck him for a whole game. Um, oh, exactly. And, that sounds cool. And, Let's just and, do and, that. And in, a, and in addition. <laughs> In addition, you don't do it in a week when you've just lost uh, Jackson Trengove, who's one of your better ruck uh, backup options. So now we're kind of going in with um, Dougal Howard as our number one ruck, and he'll be supported by Justin Westhoff. Um, and which, oh, I suppose which Ollie leaves us with man. <laughs> oh, God. that actually leaves us with two proper key position players on the entire field yep. when we should have a minimum of at least at least four, four or yep. five. You know. Yep. Oh god, we're, we're a team of flankers right now. Yeah, so really why cool. would why would we have done this? What so what's the logic around it? Because I agree with you, and I think everyone's like, oh "My God, what the hell are we doing? Bring in the butch, you know." But um, why seriously um, would we go in so small when clearly it didn't work for us against Geelong last week? Um, I it didn't work of... for us uh, against Richmond the other year as well when we when we had tools yeah. out. Tringove and Carlisle failed to bring any other tools in, and we got pantsed in the air. I kind of wonder mm. if we uh, if this is a look. This is a sort of move that makes you wonder what's going on behind closed doors. Because to me, this reads like it's a last ditch attempt to defend using the press as a defensive mechanism. Um, in that, if we bring in as many you know, mid-sized players that can run to position and can execute the press as possible without being weighed down by, you know, slow, heavy guys, uh, then in theory, this is the best possible circumstance in which to show that it is effective. So it feels kind of like doubling down on a plan that we're struggling with, and if it doesn't come off, gee, got to wonder, because this is, a, this is about, as mm. good a, about as good an opportunity we're giving that defensive mechanic as, as we have this year. Uh, and as we possibly can this year, I'd say. Um, I love doubling down. Yeah. So uh, annoyingly, <laughs> annoyingly, this is a good time to sort of turn around our form because Richmond is terribly out of sorts, you know, missing their best key position player. And so we've decided to just completely not attack their structure at all, which is the one thing, right? It's as Someone says on the board, this is the one thing that we can actually control. I mean, there's a lot of things that, yep. you know, you spend 
hours and days arguing on forums about what's gone wrong like and you just can't answer it but structure is one of those things you have complete control over and the coaches for years even this this set of coaches have for years have refused to put a proper structure in place with with the tools is this a um, a midfield decision can we blame crazy boss ah oh, look uh, i don't think we can this is, this has been happening since before he was here. Yeah. In our lull in 2014, so I think this one's on Kinkley's, Hinkley's head. Hinkley. Hinkley. Is he the is he the kinky Hinkley? That's that's Hen Kinkley for you. Typical <laughs> Hen. Yeah. Look. Uh, I mean, well, this is always it is Choco S though, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, except for the fact that we're playing a rookie tall in Dougal Howard. That's not very Choco esque. Um, that's actually pretty mm. unchocko-ish. So it is a bit different. Um, and you'd have to say that, like, as favourites, like, there's nowhere near as many... There's nowhere near as many players that you'd say, oh, that's a gold pass in this side as there were in any Choco side, um, probably because he, Ken doesn't have the same luxury, and the ones that are his favourites tend to be our actual best players. So, um, But Lobby Out, I think, was probably the last of the gold passes that sort of... That's died. Um, yeah. Yep. Mm. All right, well, look... So what does it say... What does it say for Lobie? Well, the fact that he's not even being kicked should have been, as a backup. Should have been traded. <laughs> yeah, well, should have been traded. Yeah, uh, number one. Um, absolutely. I, more more just... and more, it's looking like a complete complete stuff up. And I think maybe even the coaches and the, the list management are looking at that and thinking, what an opportunity we've missed. Because this those... guy can barely get attacked. Can't get a game over a guy who plays as a second ruck in the SNFL and has played a single game of AFL. Yeah, look at yeah. some one of those it's situations a... where when you hear the rumours coming out of the trade room, you just think, oh, if there's even an ounce of truth in that one, we've stuffed up. Like the year that um, I think we had offers for both Toby Thurston's and Damon White for picks around the seventeen to twenty-five range, uh, and we should have taken both at that point, but we didn't take either. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that was one of those ones that I always think, oh, God, I wish we'd done that one. And they apparently ran out of time to trade one of them. Um, and I think this will be one, if there is an ounce of truth and if there's even the tiniest amount of truth in it, I mean, that's just, ugh. Come <laughs> on. Especially, especially um, considering we traded away a pick for Dixon as well. It's Yeah, yeah. Well, unload yeah. portion. Yeah. I know you want unload. Come on. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Oh, I'm giving right, you right. open slather to rant right. for five minutes. Do I'm going to unload because I'm going to unload an unpopular one, which for you anyway, which That's is right. that in 2009 when there was that tools draft, remember that tools draft when we had two first, well, three effective first round picks and we drafted, what was it, John Butcher, Andrew Moore and Jasper Pittard. We could have had John Butcher, Daniel Talia and Jake Carlisle. And the following year we could have had Jack Darling and Alex Vasola, who are all players I said we absolutely have to get them in this pick. We didn't get any of those except for Butcher and because we diversified and just drafted all sorts of weird side players and not actual tools, we are now bereft of tools, uh, at a, at a young tools, developing tools that are going to be part of a side for the next you know, eight years. We had to trade our most recent one in, which is obviously Charlie Dixon, and now we're putting a big hope on Dougal Howard, who we drafted at pick 9,255 in a draft three years ago. Um, it's worrying. <laughs> it's, it's worrying. Well, take, take solace in the fact that they probably wouldn't have got a game anyway. Jake Kyle would be, you know, delisted by now. <laughs> delisted two years ago. Oh, I doubt that. So who do you blame? There has um, to be someone to blame. Yeah, there who is. Who do you blame? Um, I blame... 
No, no, I don't blame Jeff Parker. The reason I don't blame Jeff Parker is because... Look, I've got a weird view of how, you know, employees and companies work, which is that you have to expect them to do the thing that is in their best interest to do. Like, you can't realistically expect them to do something else. So I never expect companies to be altruistic because why would they be? They can make a show of it, but if they're making a show of it, it's a PR move, not an altruistic move. And I think it's the same with recruiting managers in that recruiting managers love best available. They love best available recruiting because it makes it the most likely that they will be able to show in five years' time, look at all these players I brought into the side. But that's just players into the side. And if you're not building a list with a plan at the top, then that's a double fault. Number one, you're letting your recruiting manager do what they want. And number two, you're not providing them guidance on what you need going forward to execute the plan you're trying to put in place. Um, I think you could pretty easily argue that both of those are a problem for us right now. I wouldn't expect Jeff Parker to do anything other than advocate for best available recruiting where you end up with you know uh, flankers and guys that are short or small for their position uh, because they're the best available at any given pick um, in terms of their likelihood to be able to play football. Um, but you can absolutely blame, I suppose, the head of the football department and the head coach for not giving enough direction, not on specific players, I want this player, but on to execute the plan we're trying to put in place, we need players, particularly you need players that are, for example, excellent kicks, left footers, they're tall, they're excellent contested marks, or they're this, that or the other. Whatever you want to focus on as being the one of the cornerstones of your list that you're putting together, you need to focus on that. And that's what we saw, I think, most... The first time I think we really saw it um, in the modern era would have been with Geelong when they spent years and years drafting tall midfielders, like big midfielders. Not big and slow, but they were all taller than the average midfielder in the AFL at that time. And so they came in with a really even side of guys that had the height and size to just really be good across the ground. Um, And I think if you talk about apocryphal tales from the distant past, um, there was the one with Jack Halton. Um, and I don't know who the recruiting manager was, but this is like the 60s or 70s. And the, the saying was that what you do when you're recruiting is you recruit centre-half forwards and you play them in any position. Um, and that it's, it's true because a lot of the time the centre-half forward was your best player in that time. But also that spoke exactly to the kind of player that they valued and they wanted to build their team around. And I think that if you look at our current side, there's no real method to our madness. Um, we're just sort of gone out there with a plan of, oh, we'll take whatever's left over, I feel, for the most part, with a couple of exceptions where they've sort of fallen to us in um, Ollie Wines and Chad Wingard because we had the early picks. And admittedly, those early early picks are hard to get, Um, but I think that's where the failure's been for us, list management um, and lack of direction to the list managers, which I know is a long rant and I should shut up now, but there you go. Any comments? All you have to do is look at the the team right now, and and you're absolutely seeing we're just reaping what we've sowed. It's a team of flankers right now. Yeah, and yeah, and mostly not particularly big for their position but, either. But our, our our two proper key position players have been traded in, so yeah, you know, just that that just further illustrates the point. Yeah, absolutely. Dixon and, and Homsch. And you know they're not always easy to get in, and of course the one before that, Jay Schultz, he was traded in too. Um, so. You know. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah. it's uncommon that we draft them. But anyway, let's let's move on to the game. Um, I think that we can get on to the good news and just start this week with Richmond, talk about the ins and outs in the side because there are a few and they are significant. Um, so the ins this week, we're bringing back uh, Brendan Archie, Dougal Howard, Jarman Impey, uh, Jared Pollock, and, of course, uh, back from his suspension slash jaw injury um, is Nathan Cracker. Um, 
I look, I like those ins uh, at a lot of times. I don't like who's going out for them, but uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty happy about all of those inclusions. Quite personally, I think there's a good opportunity for all of them. What do you guys reckon about the ins at least? I still think Loby. Mm. I reckon we're sending a message that you know, almost to the point, you know, we're making you accountable. You're actually letting the team down. You're our senior ruckman, and we really need you, and we're not picking you. Um, I don't know. It's a co- if, if if I'm right, it's a costly game uh, for us to be playing. Um, that sort of send a message, but at the same time, like I said, because he's just grossly out of form, something has to happen. So um, yeah, it's just yeah, that's I don't know. We're it's a bit of a risk. I, I, I would have. I'm with you. Mm. I just think it's the dumbest time. I think it's the dumbest yeah. time to do it. That's all. It's yeah. I, I reckon there's merit in dropping your senior players and you know saying, hey, look, this is this is what's going to happen. All right, there's consequences for playing absolutely rubbish. But uh, I think you just, you got to prioritize your best chance at winning the game, and that's really not happened. Uh, I, um, I, I I really think nah with with um with just Howard in the rock. I mean, really, we're we're sabotaging our chances. I think we're sabotaging Howard's chances, but as far as the view that we should always play the side that's going to win this match, I mean, that was a huge part of why Choco didn't develop players, because every week he'd just pick the best team he could to win the game, unless there was an exceptional young talent, like a truly exceptional young talent that he could bring in. And that's why we didn't develop tools. So I... Oh, I, I, I agree with yeah. that. It's, I mean, yeah. what, okay, what I said maybe came across as, as in, I'm saying, yeah, just give out gold passes, but no. for this week right now, I mean, you, you could have you could have done it in a couple of weeks. You could have done it in a week. I mean, is, is it going to change things immediately? Probably not. I mean, no. is, it, is it going to have an immediate impact on our fortunes? No. So, I mean, it's not something you... I think it's, I'm just annoyed at the timing is all. And the lack of a replacement. Is, yeah. really is it something you would do? Would you be happy with it if Jackson was available? Um, if, uh, I'd be, I'd be more happy it. about it. Mm. Because with Jackson yeah. out, that's like that's a double whammy for us because that we lose a defender and we lose a backup ruckman, um, which is which is which is you know he's either this is the week then we could have used him really well in either role and he's not there to do it. So um, Jackson, if you are listening in, we're really disappointed, mate, and don't do that. Did <laughs> um, he actually make right. contact with his head? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really sell it. He flopped. Come on, let's be honest. He's such yeah. a dog. He does that all the time. Someone post the the differential between Selwood's free kicks and the rest of the competition. Yeah. I mean, come on, the guys. The guys are proven for. Let's let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and of course, the outs aim on. We've already discussed most of it. Lobby, Robbie Ray, Wingard, Trengove, and Aim on out. Which I don't think many people could really argue too much with Aim on out, except for the fact that Jake needs sort of carrying the can for a lot of bad decisions at this point. Um, yep. I don't know. I think it'd be. Oh no! To... I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Amon's um, uh, goal that he gifted last week. It would have been good to have seen that again, just for so I could replay Benny Hill music um, through my head while he's doing that sort of play. <laughs> yeah, it was just so joyous to see. Not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not quite. I'm not quite stoked. I'm not quite stoked about Impy and Cracker in. I mean, this is this is a team that already has Broadbent, Pittard, and, and O'Shea. And Jonas, if you want to sort of include him as a halfback, potentially. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe one of them, Cracker, would have been good because um, clearly our ball use is absolutely rubbish right now. And he's a guy who can actually give us a sort of an outlet from halfback and, and really 
you know make it make it actually count instead of turning it over. But MP is basically the antithesis of that. Plus, we've got another, you know, another flanker in the side. So, look, I probably would have preferred to have a, a midfielder there. Uh, look, I mean, mm. I, I, I half agree, but I also don't because if you if you use the cargo cult view of these things, then in that winning run we had late last year, like all those players that you're complaining about sort of doubling up in defence, I think they were all playing then. Um, you know, Broadbent, Ipping Cracker, they were all playing in the same side uh, in those last few games. So it's not... Un- un- we massively overloaded our defensive flankers last year, part because we had them and they were vaguely influential, also because they really helped with the slingshot. And it's fairly, I reckon it's reasonable to argue that they'll help with the um, the press as well, which is probably part of why we've been trying to adopt it. Um, but yeah, look, just, just the fact that we don't have tools in is just extremely worrying. I, I don't know what we do. Um, I suppose the big news uh, of the Inns is really that the Cracker is back. Um, I don't know, how much do you think we've missed him? Because I reckon we've missed him heaps, honestly. Yep. Him, yes. him and um, Pollock as well, who's yeah. been sort of out of sorts. So there's two of our probably you'd say our best kicks with a team that's absolutely struggling to hit a target turning it over at embarrassing rates um well probably like the worst kicking side in the comp so oh absolutely we've missed them yeah i mean look you're exactly right the disposal efficiency of of cracker hitting targets outside the defensive 50 um you know when pollock's informed same i mean they're they're probably our two best uh, executors, um, so they're vital for us, really. So hopefully they're back in form. Crackers Fitness, I guess, will be the uh, the issue for me, um, but I guess we're just going to have to uh, play it by ear and uh, and see. Yeah, well, look, uh, Stu Hall's in the um, Spreaker live chat. He's just pointed out he's also sceptical about Cracks Match Fitness, and hope- hopefully he's all sweet. Uh, and uh, John T. Mitchell has said here, uh, there's a reason the champion data rank Crack as an elite player. He's huge and has been a huge out, bigger than Schultz, which honestly I kind of agree. Um, as much as we talk about disposal oh. efficiency, I think in the context that I sort of value Cracker most um, is that he has, is old enough now and he's smart enough that he's in the past very much proven to be the level head in defence. Um, in that you get the ball to him and he won't panic and he won't do something stupid or kick it out on the full. Um, he's the guy that will just sort of keep his head and kick it to a player uh, in a smart position like that. I think that's what's made him not just elite statistically but elite actually as a tool on the field uh, and an important component of the defence that um, is currently falling apart. So I think it's a big inclusion. Uh, the fact he's out of form is not great. Um, and yeah, the fact that he'll be thinking—I don't know—I I kind of worry that the fact that his preseason might have him worrying that people are thinking nasty things about him, and they might set him off his game. But who knows? We'll find out. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I guess the next one is—is is it even possible to win without Robbie Gray or Wingard? Um, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but there's a stat I just looked up, which is that we haven't won a game without at least one of Chad or Robbie in the side, uh, and in all four games they're missing that. They've been missing in the same side uh, since 2012. We've uh, we've lost all four of them. Um, I don't know. I think that they add a huge amount of mix-up to our forward approach, uh, and most sides have got one really good player that can play on a, a forward like those two, but most sides don't have two. And the fact we've got neither of those guys in, I'm really worried. What do you guys reckon? And on top of that, um, which is slightly underrated, what we talked about is that Monfrey's out is also... He's probably the third guy who can play as that really, really creative forward. And he's also another marking target that we miss, and especially having a guy like Need, 
as his sort of um, replacement up forward. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't provide a marking target at all. In fact, I don't think he's much of a small forward either. To be honest, I think he's more of a more of a wingman. Just he's no. a bit fumbly, so a bit a bit small perhaps. Honestly, so he doesn't really get to go up there. I feel like watching Need play this year, I kind of feel like he's got uh, a different version of what Brett Ebert had. In that, I think he's one of those guys that if he was, you know, a few inches taller, he would be an absolute gun midfielder in traffic. Um, his instincts are great. He gets right in there. He's not afraid of the clash, but he hasn't got the the uh, the not not the awareness, but he hasn't got the ability to sort of break through and take control and take command of the situation. Um, I'm not. Con- I, I think he can play an outside role, but I, I kind of feel like uh, I don't know if it's something he's being instructed to do or if it's part of his game that they're trying to get him to get stronger at. But I feel what he's what we've seen this year is that he is excellent in traffic, and then his build's been letting him down a bit. I, I don't know if it's something that can be built on or not, or if it's something that if we have better options around him, he can make it an, a facet of his game to be able to do that occasionally. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what his role is in this side, but the coaches are still happy, so it's hard to complain. Yep, I think I think like well, honestly, his best moments for me have all come off the wing or off the half forward flank where he's been streaming inside fifty, especially a lot in um, twenty thirteen when it, he seemed to link up with Wingard every game, um, and also in that elimination final. I mean, probably the the best Jake Need highlight ever was just him on the wing smashing Dustin Martin and going for a run. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's where he plays his best footy. He's just a bit fumbly, that's all, and. When the team's down on confidence, it really shows in him as well. He's one of those guys that really, um, I think he needs good players around him to really to really shine. Yeah, I, I think it's partially, I, guess... I think he needs team play around him as well, and I think that's the case with a lot of our players that are Yeah, that's performing. right. That's mm. that's what I was trying to Who say. Who was he going to get dropped for? Sorry? Who was he going to get dropped for? John Butcher. <laughs> yeah, because don't forget... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not even joking right now. <laughs> No, yeah, we are. Uh, especially seeing. I mean, if it was going to be you know pissing down this weekend, um, you might say, yeah, okay, uh, name all the smalls we have. But I mean, last last Friday and last Sunday, I was at the MCG for both games. And it was just perfect football weather. And as far as I can see from the the Bureau of Meteorology, this Saturday night's going to be exactly the same. So, um, yeah, yep. interesting. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Is it true that your first team's Melbourne? <laughs> oh, right on the spot here. Ouch. Wait a minute. I want a, I want a, I want an honest answer here. Nah, Port's my first team, but I'm not enjoying Port games this year. I am enjoying Melbourne games this year. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put it That's the worst thing I've heard in my life. <laughs> it's the yeah, most it's unlikely the thing I've ever said. <laughs> uh, I had to ask that question. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, Jaunty Mitchell on the speaker forum's got a really good comment, which is that we're yet to lose a game this year with Monfries in the side, so he's a massive out. Which thanks, Jaunty. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why you don't read the speaker chat that often. That's all right. So this is the uh, kind of like comment I'm usually given in the speaker chat. So thanks, Jaunty, for keeping that up, keeping the spirit of the chat up. All right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's normally Rick saying dumb things like that in speaker chat. Um, so... Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, quality things, quality. So, um, up the I, chat. I guess another question, which was sort of already answered, which is, you know, what do these changes uh, to the side really say about our coaching staff? I think I've kind of said that I reckon it just means that we're giving the press one last hurrah. Um, 
I don't know, what do you guys reckon? Are we pretty happy to settle on something like that or do you think there might be some other reason for it that we can sort of pinpoint and say, yeah, it's this? I don't think we've given up on the press. Mm. The press is here to stay. I don't think it's one last run. I think um, they have more confidence in the smalls than what they do the talls. And so I guess they're just choosing their best side based on that. And... um, I guess I didn't get to answer the question on, uh, you know, no Robbie Gray and yeah. and no Chad Wingard, but I guess part of us um, have commented on the forums and social media that our best game so far this year has been the first pre-season game against Sydney, which was full of juniors. So maybe having more of the kids in is going to revitalise our side a little bit. And... I guess we just need run, don't we? Are, are these players going to provide us the run that we need? That's the question. And are these players going to provide us a more competitive edge in the setting clearances? That's the main question. Do, 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 do we even play a run game style anymore? Because I feel like we haven't done that since 2014. I mean, most evidently in the first game against Frio last year, I mean, we were just chipping it, chipping it, and we haven't seemed to have... We've had barely any highlights. Even when we were winning last year, it still didn't feel like we were playing 2014 Port Adelaide football. No. Like, and I, I, look, I'm going to admit that I don't know a lot about tactics, but um, it, it didn't seem like that's what we're playing because it's unrecognisable. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you, um, and I think that's best demonstrated by the fact that we're seeing Pittard. You know, he's when he leap, when he runs, he's running harder and he's kicking longer, and I think in part that's because no one else is running with him. Um, and he's good at it. He's doing really well, actually. Uh, we've got a bit of a stat I, breakdown in a bit that sort of makes him look bloody amazing. But, um, yeah, we haven't been running in packs, uh, and other teams do, and we just don't. It's pretty awful. I, I think that's just... Pittard would play that game, any game style he'd play. Any yeah. any team he would play, in any he, that's just what he does. Oh, yeah, but he might have no other options Pittard. available as opposed to doing what he does at the moment, which is like, oh, well, nothing's available. I'll run up the middle Bomb and kick forward, 50 metres. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's slightly different. Is, home, could it... Yep. Is it fair to say that if we don't win out of the centre, we don't have a running game plan anymore? Um, I think the fact that it's that a running game again, a running game plan is primarily predisposed on the idea that the ball comes forward and we reclaim it, and we haven't been reclaiming it, and so that inhibits the the counter attack to some extent, um, because mm-hmm. clearances are being won so easily against us. Um, that we either don't have time to regroup or we're just not defending well enough as a unit. Uh, and in part, like we were just sort of saying about Nathan Cracker being a huge out, I mean, that's probably part of it as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Dylan? Uh, no, that was good. Right. Nothing else to say about that. <laughs> okay. Um, John T. Mickle's got a comment, but it looks like it's a real one this time, so that's nice. Um, this year they're trying. Hey. To, yeah, this year they're trying to lure opposition players into the fat side to make the skinny side less skinny and try to take advantage of that more so than spreading to the fat side. Ideally, middle lane and breaking fast. Um, I think I kind of know oh, what he's talking yeah. about there. That's a lot of sides. How many sides um, do we have on the? Oh, okay. Well, we don't have any because I thought it was an oval. Yeah, okay, anyway. here's, the, here's the finishing part of that comment. The kicker is that we're doing that with four blokes above 195 centimetres in the side. Um, so I guess he's making a comment about the fact that we have, maybe we don't have the mobility to do the switch properly. I think that's pretty much what he's saying. Um, but I don't agree I, with I that. I think we don't have the marking targets at all. 
Yeah. Nowhere in the field we have a proper marking target. Um, El Scorcho on the forum posted a great stat mm. that we're averaging the like the we're dead last in um, marks differential. So we're averaging twenty seven less marks than our opposition every game. Twenty seven, like that's absurd. Yeah. And I know we've also taken the least marks inside fifty in the whole competition this year. So it's clear that the structure and the the amount of tools in the team is a problem. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we're not really making it hard for oppositions to see where we're going to kick to next. Um, sometimes we do, and that tends to be the times when we kick goals, but that's usually... We don't know we're going to, where we're going to kick to or pass to next, and that's usually when we're running through the middle and doing one of those frantic chains of hand passes and hoping that uh, it ends with somewhere going useful. Um, but mostly we, we don't have those marks. We don't have, we don't, when someone's marked the ball or they've been given a free kick or whatever on the defensive 50, they don't have three small lead, uh, three players doing small leads for them to kick to. There's maybe one option or no options, and then they'll just kick as far down the wing uh, as they possibly can. And I think, I think it's when, you're, when your players are all small, you know, and your disposal is one of the worst in the competition, it's a recipe for disaster. I mean, you're never going to be able to even split the contest, you know, most of the time. Well, it's mostly about the smaller players um, being able to find space on leads, which is challenging. Uh, they need to indicate that there's a lead coming and also make it so that uh, the player kicking the ball can react to it before the defenders are able to close in on them, which is quite challenging and really is something that you can only beat by pre-planning how you're going to move the ball down the wing or down the centre or down the centre line. Um, if you don't pre-plan it, then I, I think it's kind of like you know going into an NFL game, for example, without a, a playbook, really. Um, you're just going to get torn apart by this, <laughs> the way people do defences these days. They just they set it all up mathematically, and if they can tell what you're doing, then they've got a huge advantage, um, particularly if you don't know what you're doing, um, if your right hand's not talking to your left. So it's, um, yeah, it's worrying. But, Tom, look, we, we should move on to talking about Richmond at this point um, because they are an opponent and they are a football team. Um, although, I don't know, they kind of are. Well, <laughs> They've had two changes this week. Uh, Delidio and Hampson are in. Rance and Townsend are out. Uh, Rance obviously out with suspension for a really stupid thing late in the game when they were well and truly losing, um, which I think puts it right up there. I think if you have to say Rance versus um, Tringove for suspensions this week, I have to, think, yeah, have to say that Rance is clearly the stupider. So that's kind of worked out in our favour, except for the fact they've replaced him with a tall... Um, Delidio's back, and there was an interesting stat on, um, I think it was AFL 360 a little while ago, uh, showing that when is in the side, there's a huge difference in how many games Richmond wins as opposed to when he's out, so that's not great for us. Um, then, of course, Sean Hampson's in as a second ruck, which uh, is painful, but we'll see how that goes. Yep. <laughs> um, as- uh, did you guys, did you guys uh, just see the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. A... Sorry? Absolute Come freak. On. Um yeah, did you just catch any of the media this week or the commentary? I mean, I, I was about to be sick the amount of times I heard uncharacteristic and rants in the same sentence. I mean, did none of these guys watch the Illumination final a couple of years? If it's happened before yeah. and it's happened again, it's not uncharacteristic. I mean, ridiculous. How And, you know, contrast that to Jackson Tringove, you know, I, the commentary was all about, oh, how many games... How many games? Yeah. What good he's uh, done to our Joss Elwood? Like, it's incredible the hypocrisy of some people in the in the commentary. I, I kind of feel I like... always try to rub us out. I, I kind of feel like Rance is filling the hole that Dustin Fletcher left in that I remember many, many times when Dustin Fletcher was still a youngish player, he'd trip someone by hand and they'd say, oh, that's uncharacteristic. 
but his career was long enough that you could see eventually it wasn't uncharacteristic at all. He was a he was a real fan of tripping <laughs> players by the hand. He did it multiple times. I reckon he got pinged about four times for that in his career, and he probably did it countless <laughs> more. Um, and I think that Rancis sort of filled that same mental space. Um, he's sort of taken that yeah Dustin Fletcher, Stephen Silvani kind of role. Um, although Tully might be sharing that Stephen Silvani kind of role, given how much he's able to hang off players, um, where they just sort of let they're allowed to get away with it because they seem like good blokes and. Yeah, and people just think, oh, they're good without really looking at how they're playing. Um, but that's all right, you know. It'd be nice to have one, but we never will, so let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, I guess talking about the weather earlier, how we reckon it's going to be a nice day, do we reckon we can rich, uh, match Richmond aerially? So through the air, do we have enough to counter it? Uh, obviously, we've got a smaller side, but I don't know. I've, uh, we don't have good marks. No. You have to say that we're really weak there. Um, next one, Trengove is out, um, which means that Rewalt uh, will be going up against Homsch probably. And if Homsch isn't working out, we'll probably put Tom Jonas on him. Um, we don't. We've got which would be an underheight backup on a really good key forward, and we don't have any other realistic options. And we still haven't accounted for Tyrone Vickery uh, in the forward line. So, yep. <laughs> I don't know. Am I missing anything there? Okay. Is it, do we have anything I, I can't think of as far as matching up on their two key forwards with our one and a half? Oh, that's it. Right. We're gonna um, and they're and they're resting rock that is as well. Oh yeah, um, oh shit, Hanson as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's okay. another two hundred centimeter player. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but and, yeah, we're, we're gonna have to. That. And honestly, I'm, I'm calling. Carry on. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they put Chaplin forward a bit as well because he kicked a nice goal last week. Um, and that would just yep. be the oh, that would be the total it. thing that would just burn in our brains. Yeah, if he kicked a goal against us. Ugh. Yep. We're going to have to see Cam O'Shea take about 100 intercept marks for our defense to be successful. And and it's, it's, not, it's not winter yet, so I doubt it's going to happen. Yeah. I think you're very over, you're overestimating Hanson. I mean, Hanson doesn't take anything oh. to save his life. So How good does he have to be when he's a foot taller than the bloke that's on him? Yeah, nah. it's like having an MP play on, like, I don't know, Woby, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Even even Moby might be a chance to snag a few contested marks there. Yeah. Just purely for the you've height. Seen, you've seen our, you've seen the strategy third man up. We're going to have ten men up. I reckon we're going to do exactly. a little huffing and just have all eighteen players in the uh, in the defensive uh, zone the whole time. Genius! What an innovate! What an innovator! Yeah. 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 The whole he's, time. He's the, guy hold, he's the guy holding this whole coaching business together to be honest Hinkley's a fraud it's, it's all Buddha yeah, he's a tactical okay. genius <laughs> um, a couple of comments from the speaker for him right now um, Ryan Pillars saying that uh, does anyone else notice that Dixon's running himself under the drop of the ball far too often um, I don't know how much of that is Dixon running himself under the drop of the ball or just the kicks not going properly to him I, I kind of feel in those situations most of the time it's not the leading forwards fault but that might just be my personal bias um, uh, he's business. just he's just not leading that much, is he? No, he's not leading much. I don't know. Um, that's just, he's instructed to do that, or if that's just his choice, he's seeing it. The quality of the ball that's coming inside 50, he's thinking I've probably got a better chance yeah. just wrestling for it. Well, you'd have to think so, because I mean, that's what he's been doing is the first option, but it doesn't match how he's played previously, so whether it's instruction, it has to be instruction realistically, unless there's something wrong with his ability to lead. Um, I don't know. Um, and John T. Mitchell said we're going to try and bomb on his head. Uh, Butcher, I don't know, because Butcher... Look, honestly, I reckon Butcher led more than Dixon has um, when he was in the side. Um, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with that statement. I think that Butcher is much more mobile. Oh. 
than than we just think of Macca. For us. What? Macca's going to be rolling in his chair there, going, "Pig's ass, Porsche. Butcher what? doesn't lead." Well, he gets a Macca bad doesn't enough. Think he leads. I, reckon, I reckon he gets a okay. He probably doesn't traditionally lead, but he is very mobile in the forward line, and I feel like Dixon is less mobile in the forward line and his time with us. So yeah, okay, right. he might not lead, but he does sort of run from run to wherever the ball is, full pelt, um, and it's not to necessarily be the one that is kicked to on a lead, but he gets about a lot more, I feel, than Dixon does. Um, if we weren't kicking it on top of his head, I don't know that he'd make it to the ball as much as he has, um, based on how much he has been moving about. But yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that call that Butcher doesn't really lead, but I, he does have a lot more mobility in that forward line, in my view. Yeah. He leads. He just doesn't know how to lead. <laughs> yeah. So well, it's chicken really. and egg, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay. And just on last week's game, uh, we saw Melbourne quite comfortably deal with the Richmond side. Um, in theory, that should be a blueprint for us because you know this time last year, you'd say that we could match Melbourne in most areas of the field. Um, we had a good enough midfield. Uh, Schultz was pretty decent sometimes, uh, and of course, with adding Dixon to it, we should have theoretically been able to say, "Yeah, we've got our Watson Hogan." Or even with Westoff playing, we have, well, we could currently be able to say that we've got our Watson Hogan to match that. Um, Richmond's susceptible to <laughs> Richmond is susceptible to poor momentum man's, goals. Poor man's Westoff. Yeah, no, poor man's Watts we've got. Unfortunately, yeah. he's been first class this year. I know. Times um, are changing. Yeah, we saw last week that Richmond is susceptible to momentum goals where you can get a really good run on against them. But the difference between Melbourne and us is larger now than ever in the wrong way in that they have Max Gorn, who has been an absolute revelation this year. Uh, He was already pretty good, but he's just been on top of most contests and he's got depth to his game. Yeah, he's a good ruckman, but he can take pack marks. We saw a ruckman ruckman take a pack mark last week and he's dangerous, Um, whereas we're playing Dougal Howard, so... Dougal Howard and I think uh, Ollie Wines is probably our senior centre square midfielder right now. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think we can necessarily exploit that. Um, and the one thing we do have going for us is the fact that Pittard is better than any Melbourne defender. Um, so in theory, I guess we're putting it all down on the idea we're going to restrict supply to the Tigers forward line. And just put everything on that. Like, that's where we're putting all our money is basically if we can't restrict supply to the forward line for the Tigers, we're going to get smashed. So we need to just do that. How are we going to do that? We haven't done it all season. Well, by putting eight halfbacks in the side, I think is the theory of how we're going to do that. Right. Awesome. Should be exciting. Well, we'll see how that goes. Can't you tell? Yeah, yeah. I'm pumped. Did did either of you see the Richmond game last week? No. No, okay. Uh, who'd they play last week? Uh, Melbourne. Oh, yeah. I thought, Port- yeah, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Porsche's yeah. favourite side. Oh, piss off. Did catch it. Uh, did watch Porsche's team. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll change my name to DC Viney. if you're not careful. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Has, has Jack Viney surpassed Ollie Wines at the moment? Yes, uh, no. now he has. Nah. Viney. Let's, let's see Viney him get a few goals in finals. Let's see him play a final first. Yeah, that's fair. We're any snap judgments. I mean, it's like saying Melbourne's gone past us, but what, this is like the first time they've won two games in a row in five years. I mean, let's have a little bit of perspective. Yeah. Mm. They're, they're still rabble. I mean, they haven't climbed out yet. No, God, no. 
All right. Well, um, just on the game in general, um, there's a couple of things I suppose that's still to talk about. Travis Bloke, um, since 2014, he's averaged comfortably over 30 possessions a game against Richmond, um, which uh, he's been under pressure for his leadership this week. There's a bit of a comment about whether he's as tough on the players during the week as he should be, um, as opposed to how tough he is uh, during games. Um, he's had good luck, a good amount of uh, form against Richmond under Hinckley, and you'd have to think that if we ever needed him to step up and really take control as captain, I mean, this is a week that it's prime for him to do it. He's missing a, a whole bunch of regular players. He's got a very young midfield around him. Um, and this is the time, more than any other time, that you probably need your captain to step up and show leadership. Do you, do you think that can show results for us? Do you think it can be enough? Of course. Well, he can leave from the front, set the example. I mean, I guess the question is, do we still have the match winners in the side to win the game? And Ollie Wines and Travis Boak um, and Brad Ebert... They're good enough, but they definitely need to stand up, don't they? So, um, yeah, I, look, if we're going to win, he's on an idiot of about 40 disposals, I reckon. Yeah, it could happen, I suppose. Dylan Spacious. Uh, I want to see him. I want to see him replace Gray and do a few sidesteps. I mean, you know, he's capable of it. Or oh, I don't know, is he? He seems like he's a bit... seems like he's carrying something. It's felt like he's carrying something for a year now, and... Like, I'm sort of worried about him. This is where the whole Burgess thing comes into play. And, like, have we just totally burnt our runners out? I think I think he's playing he like, like he's carrying a team uh, now. Please, please <laughs> that's, don't tell that's me that. Robbie. That's Robbie. That means bloody Jason Akamanis was right. And that would be horrible. Mm. Yeah, that would just be the worst thing to come out of this, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, God. All right. Um, now, I guess the next thing we normally would talk about would be the coaches. Um, our record against Damien Hardwick's pretty 50-50, mostly going with whoever's the home side, but obviously uh, Richmond won the last encounter against us at Adelaide Oval, which I guess gives them a, a little edge. Um, given he hasn't exactly been a tactical genius this year, you'd have to think the coaching is a bit of a non-factor in this game in a lot of respects, except for how much a coach can mess up their own game by sticking to a strategy. Have you got any, do you agree with that, or is that pretty unreasonable? That's all right. Uh, I think, you know, I was sort of thinking how how much criticism Dimmer got for sort of chopping and changing his game plan to sort of suit the trends. You know, he was mm. changing it to, to copy Frio and he was copying Hawthorne. That's what I feel like we've sort of done. we sort of strayed from our own path and we're just trying to be something that clearly doesn't play to our side strengths. And I don't know. I mean, I thought Kinkley was pretty tactically switched on the first couple of years, but I'm sort of... He's sort of looking like a you know a bit of a dimmer, a bit of a Nathan Buckley, sort of not not a genius by any stretch. No. I think they might be pretty similar. Yeah, I, I kind of think you're probably right there myself. Um, I don't know. I'm always pretty quick to jump off the coach, so I'm not always the best person to listen to <laughs> on these thoughts. I'm I'm right on the front line typically, and I'm kind of getting. I think this last week kind of got me on that uh, for Ken Hinkley. I've been holding off, and I'm just sort of there. But I can see there's still. It would still be reasonable to give him a few chances yet to sort of show he can pull it out of the fire, and we'll see how it goes. Um, well, you sure it's you sure he just doesn't need more senior support? I mean, I love the post that you put up during the week, Porsche, about the uh, the failures of um, Michael Voss at Brisbane. Um, you know, maybe Michael Voss really isn't the support person um, for Ken. And uh, you know maybe we need 
don't know, I'll pick Ford's favourite character, Lee Tudor, for example. Um, you know, someone from maybe the Sydney or Hawthorne regime that has been around a successful unit in the coach's box for quite some time, sort of like Walsh and uh, Richardson, whereas uh, Foss doesn't really have those runs on the board. Well, there are there are a lot of rules around um, poaching contracted assistance, I believe, so it might be a bit hard. Mm. But, I mean, even a forwards coach would be all right. A forwards coach who actually played forward, I think um, Russell Ebert Hamble has been pushing for that one, pushing that wagon for a while now. And, you know, someone like Treadray could be available. You know, are we willing to change our sort of coaching structure mid-season? Probably not, though. No. So it's a for Porsche and I firing up here. I posted this up during the week. I mean, you know, is Warren Treadray really the forwards coach that we're looking for though? Because now the forward coach is actually forward transition. So it's about um, the play from defense all the way to the offense. So are we maybe looking more for an offensive midfielder as our offensive coach and a Treadray type? as a specialist forward coach just to train the forwards. Um, well, yeah, that would be all right because um, he, he could teach the guys how to lead and since we are offering absolutely by all marking targets, it would be a damn fine choice to see him sort of come in and teach guys how to lead. I mean, he did wonders with Taylor Walker's game at the Crows. don't know why he couldn't do it with Butcher, why he couldn't do it with Dixon, you know. Yeah. Maybe look- just as a part-timer. Uh, I, I think you, I think there's two ways you could use Treadray. One would be as a specialist forwards coach. So you're saying, yeah, there's a forward movement coach. Uh, and I think that's a role that you'd normally give it to a midfielder, but I think that you could almost say that you almost should give it to someone that has actually played as a forward. Because the biggest thing where we're falling down right now, and I think that a lot of sides fall down, is that um, you put in someone in that forward movement position and they're about getting the ball forward, but they might not necessarily have the same perspective on being on the receiving end and what is acceptable and what is not, um, what the limits you can push in that regard are. Um, I think that's probably the area where we're weakest is in terms of just matching up what we're doing in midfield with that forward line. So you could almost argue that, um, and particularly, you know, Warren did not have any issue getting into midfield a bit. Uh, and in theory, if Chad Corns was not such a caustic personality, you could argue that he is a player that has played forward and back and midfield and could be ideal for talking about forward movement, particularly given the game style he played. Um, but if there's friction in the coaching uh, section between him and Hinckley, then that obviously wouldn't happen. But if you're talking about that having that kind of IP, um, he's the guy that we know from his playing career would have it in how to move the ball forward. Um yeah, I don't know, but I'm not. I'm not willing oh. to. Yeah, I don't know. Really? Let's sack Fossey. That's easy. Sack Fossey. That's easy. Yeah, sack Fossey. No, I reckon. Um, look, I mean, it's interesting. Don't we, have two, two. don't we have two midfield coaches anyway? I mean, sack Fossey anyway. Uh, yeah, sack Fossey. <laughs> it's just the easy option. What Head about coach, um, midfield coach? What about the? Oh, bugger. Matthew Nick's fall from grace. He was coach-in-waiting two years ago. And now look at him. People are saying, boo. It's just, it's such a fickle industry sometimes. And you've got to ride the wave of momentum. Huh? Um, yeah, look, I just think the way our midfield's performing over the whole squad, you know, something has to happen. Uh in the box with our midfields. I'm really heavy on 
Um, you know, the players are taking a lot of direction from it. Um, you know, our midfielders are all completely down from two years ago. And you know what? Well, I'm I'm joking around about Foss. So I don't. I don't I got no bloody idea. But something. You know, something's not right. So it has to change. And I'm sure the board and KT would be looking at it because. I guess this I've been banging on this has been my theme for a week and I wish I didn't think about it. You know, but the way we're playing, it looks like we won't play finals, which means it will be two years of finals in nine years. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that Port Adelaide football? Right? And so, you know, you get KT coming out saying, Patience guys, patience, don't Stick with the team. How long have we been sticking with the club? And I mean, I'll have ditched the club. But, you know, how long do we put up the supporters? Because, you know, we're a passionate supporter base. We, we, be, you know, we believe our club is about being ruthless and pursuing all endeavours um, to be a finals-hardened competitor. And we're being shown up, as far as I'm concerned, on the national stage. We're, we're not making the big calls on the players in regards to recruit, recruiting, trading, selecting. Um, you know, we seem to be falling short a lot of the time in a lot of the decisions on the field. And it's just, yeah, I mean, how long does it go for before enough is enough? You know, we, I thought we exist to win premierships. It's, it's actually starting to become a little bit embarrassing, I think. Um, yeah, I look, I think that this comes down to general direction as well. Um, and for me, like one of the fundamental rules of problem solving, for example, is that you think up a short-term fix and a long-term solution. And so if you look at our trading in the last two years, we've got a short-term fix in Ryder and a short-term fix in Dixon, but below them we haven't actually put in place a long-term solution for the problem, which was that we're not drafting and developing rucks and key forwards. Um, so I really think it's just long-view stuff. We're, we're playing the short game. Uh, every year, um, which is something you do when I suppose you find yourself to be a surprise finalist and surprise uh, potential premiership contender, uh, and maybe we've just been sucked into that, and so that's sort of thrown off what might have been originally a, quite a, a long and thorough development plan from Hinckley when he started in his job. Um, success can change what you do, um, and but maybe it shouldn't always change uh, what you do as much certainly as we have uh, at Port Adelaide. Um, got a couple of interesting comments from uh, the Spreaker Forum. Ben Jennings reckons we should sack Primus again, um, which that would be good if we could do that. We, we can't. Um, uh, Bourne Fort has said something I agree with, which is if we're still looking for people to support Ken, then he's probably not the coach for us. Um, I kind of agree with that in that we've got a history at Port Adelaide of losing the strategic mastermind as a head coach to somewhere else, uh, and really we should actually be making them the head coach because then they're less likely to be poached. Um, and John T. Mitchell has got a good one here. If we make the finals from here, are we a surprise finals contender again? Depends where we finish. True. I, mean, I think it'd be a surprise to make the finals from here, regardless. I don't know. Well, it's interesting. We're only two and three, but I mean, I post up in the forum, and I think I said it to Macca. Um, on Monday, we haven't got a great history of coming back from adversity early in the se- season, um, you know, to turn that around and participate in finals. So that's a bit of a concern. Um, but in addition to that, as we've all been banging on about, it's been the nature of the losses as well. So, yeah, it's 
it's not looking good as far as I'm concerned. And I, I'd be the first one to be going, yeah, I'm, I was wrong. You, mm. you know, the boys turned it around, but I'm just not convinced that's going to happen. Okay. Well, look, um, we're running a bit over t- quite a bit over time here, so we've got another section here which is just going to be about um, visiting supporter preparedness. Um, gone are the days when you could just sort of turn up and bag Richmond fans about being ninth men because, quite honestly, for either side right now, ninth would be a pretty good finishing position for the year. Um, I thought we could come up with a few ideas, and I don't know if you guys have or not. Um, I've been struggling on this one. It's really kind of hard. It's probably my weak spot. Um, but things you can say to a Richmond fan when you're at the game is uh, when the umpire makes a bad call, you can suggest that perhaps Dustin got to him with his chopstick. Um, comment on Richmond's Ba-dum. lack of premiership. Yeah, thanks. Comment on lack of uh, premiership success for Richmond, which is that DeLoreans weren't even invented until 1981. So even if time travel exists, it wouldn't go back far enough to see a Richmond premiership. Um, Port and Richmond have both won premierships in 1980 but we've won another nine since then so fuck off and so's your mum that's all I could come up with I've got nothing when you put this one to me I thought that's, that's awesome you know you've, you've, you've put a good thing here I love bag and Richmond but then I realised I'm just sort of a quantity over quality thing here where I, I like to bag <laughs> Richmond often but it's never it's never any good plus I don't know last last time I was at the MCG uh, I don't know I, I don't want anything coming back into my face because we lost to Carlton last time and you know I, uh, copped a bit of shit just from random fans so I don't want to be the guy initiating the shit yeah. talking this time if we lose uh, Richmond fans are absolutely rabid yeah they are just, just go with the, my wife's lovely slogan of sucks to be you yeah. That's yeah. it? But that, you have to be winning for that. Oh, you're a Richmond supporter. Pardon? Oh, hello. Anyway. What's that? <laughs> uh, what so... <laughs> hello? Hello, hello. Huh? Uh, we're going to continue with that, Eric, if you Test. can't hear us. Um, so just <laughs> last thing there. Um, Victorian supporters base in Melbourne has changed as well. It's no longer uh, in South Melbourne. It's now the Royal Derby Hotel at 446 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. Um, and if you turn up to the game earlier, a bit bored on the Saturday afternoon, apparently our AFL or original academy is playing against Richmond's academy at Punt Road on Saturday afternoon before the game, which is literally right next door to um, the MCG. So that could be a good little pre-game thing if you want to do that instead of travelling around Melbourne. Um, if you want to know where to find a good burger in Melbourne, I think we've covered that too many times on Big Footy by now, but I think we've pretty much settled on the fact that there's now a burger theory in Melbourne. And uh, what was the place? The, the Something Caravan Park, whatever it was in the middle of the city, some weird name. I don't know. There's a few good recommendations. It shouldn't be hard to find. Um, the next segment we have is the part where we start repeating now, the Fringe Force 5, which is the five players that are kind of right on the fringe of selection. Um, I kind of feel if we're in better form, Jimmy Tumpus, who is this week's person, uh, would be very much on the fringe of selection, but maybe not. Um, we had a bit of a stat last time about how he's drafted number four in 2012 and we traded for him. Got a good trade. Um, he has actually improved. Uh, Melbourne, he averaged 13 possessions. Um, but at Port, he's averaging 19 disposals per game, um, which is good. Um, this comments about him being a bit Loney-esque uh, in terms of not going in hard enough, but actually his uh, contested possession rate has increased by 10% since he was at Melbourne. Uh, and I just went through and had a look at uh, a few other players uh, at Port Adelaide right now, and his contested uh, possession rate of... Uh, 39% of his total possessions being contested actually puts him in um, ahead of Matthew Broadbent, uh, Jared Polek, 
let's see, and obviously Pittard because he plays a very different sort of role, and just only just behind Brett Ebert, who um, not only has fewer disposals, Brad. but actually almost twice, or Brad Ebert, not only has fewer disposals per match, but actually makes twice as many clangers. So um, I guess looking at those stats, it's hard to justify Tumpus being dropped from the side at this point, and no matter how, no matter how much we're sort of thinking... You know, he's the new guy in and we're playing terribly. Maybe it's his fault. I don't know. How do you guys see uh, Tumpus' game so far? Not his fault, but, oh, gee. Uh, you, you'd hate to be someone like John Butcher. Oh, shit, I've said it again. Um, <laughs> sitting out on the sideline, doing doing some nice things in the SNFL. And this guy has come. He's done jack all at Melbourne for a couple of years. He's come in, done nothing at SNFL of us. He's just been walked into the team. He's been a total passenger in our wins and our losses, and he just keeps his spot forever. I mean, I don't know. I'm sort of, oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just don't. I don't see it in him. I don't see it in him at all. I mean, I, to me, he's basically just like Sam Colquhoun, with yeah. with more potential pre-draft. He's actually faster than what you think. I, I mean, I've been reading the forums, and you know, people are saying, "Oh, he's pretty slow." But I was watching him on the uh, last week, and he, he's actually got a bit of speed about, about him. You'll be quite yeah. surprised. Yeah. He. Bit of, he actually bit of pace, runs bit of a bit slow like, brain though. Bit of a slow uh, brain yeah. though. I mean, how is that? How is that holding the ball free kick against him? You know, when he had a nice dash down the wing, I thought, geez, he's actually looked, he's actually looked all right. Bit of a game-changing moment, perhaps, and then bam, just got run down. How long, how long did it take um, Jasper Pittard to find his composure at AFL level, hmm. and and or not only composure but his disposal disposal efficiencies? He's what twenty-five now, twenty-four. Tumpus, he's less yeah. than that. No, no, uh, Jasper. Oh, oh Peter, yeah, that's so, um, 26, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, this year's his breakout year. Last year he was still having minor brain fades, but not as bad as the years before. But, you know, what, he was drafted in 2008? So, yeah, so he's around 25. So, I mean, look, I think he's, this, we supporters need him a bit of time. I can see a little bit of Puopolo with him. Maybe he needs to go a little bit more up forward, um, you know, and, and use that crumbing ability. Yeah, his disposal efficiency sucks um, and turnovers, but he's no lone, lone soldier there. So um, I think he needs a bit of time, and we just need to get off this butcher bandwagon, Dylan. <laughs> I go off. Hey, I'm not even right. pushing it. But um, oh, look, um, I was going to say... Um, I was going to oh, say... No, totally with, got, no, you've brought, you've brought up Butcher in my head's in a, in a scramble right now. I was going to say Carry that Tumpus, Sorry, I, think that, think I, think, I think Tumpus has been challenged to play a different role to how he was playing at Melbourne as well. Um, as you can see, just in terms of his uh, increase in the amount of uh, contested possession he's had. Um, I think that the fact that before he was drafted, he was considered to be sort of a pacey outside guy and then he had a, a pretty bad injury. Um, he has to change his game style and I guess he's just not only dealing with being in a new team but also in a new role uh, where he's potentially playing. I think I was looking at the sort of player he's playing most similar a role to and that's probably someone like Matthew White or Jared Pollack. Um, it's just purely on statistics, uh, ignoring things like inside 50s and stuff. He's a little bit ahead of Pollack at this point, which I guess is why Pollack's been in and out and Tumpus hasn't. Um yeah, I think it's probably too early to throw in the towel and say he's not going to be any good, particularly when he's not getting the opportunity to play in a, a even a vaguely composed side. But um, yeah, I don't think he's shown enough to that he wouldn't be in risk of uh, being out of the side as soon as players start coming back from injury. Um, but I, I think he's okay for now. Um, although, to my eye, I thought he was not all that great. Um, there was one other thing I noticed, which was with Pittard on this short list of uh, players' statistics, which I did. 
um, of the eight players I listed, just to get an idea of someone he might, Tumpus might be like. Um, Pittard's got heaps of disposals, and he's only got a 12% clanger compared to total possession rate, um, which is fantastic. He's great. <laughs> he's a bloody good player, isn't he? He's going to get all Australian this year, you'd have to say, Pittard, I reckon. No Pittard is awesome, on, on Porsche. It was... <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> it was similar last year. He started so well. I mean, I just hope he can keep it up. And he's, you know, he's showing that he can do it even when the team's down. So, yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be good for him. Absolutely. Even if we're not, playing like shit. Let's not forget that when everyone was shit-canning him, wanting him dropped, there was a couple of us, led by myself, that were saying, believe in the pit dog. He's got the vision. It will come. And now it's paying off. Unfortunately, 20 un- one players around him have just fallen off the planet, so he has to do it all himself. But at least he's standing up and delivering, like we knew he would for a first round draft pick that deserved to be picked at number sixteen. Porsche, seventeen. <laughs> um, oh, we got, we number got one comment. fan doesn't even know the draft number. Jeez, <laughs> I know it's pretty appalling. Whatever, uh, number um, twenty nine on the back. That's all that matters. Yeah, Adam Kingsley, um, Todd Bell has a comment on the Spreaker chat, which is that Tumpus has played fine so far. He's definitely not on the drop list. And he reckons the people just got really carried away with the Tumpus is fat nonsense in the preseason, which I, I, I honestly thought that was just a running joke um, because you just someone said something stupid in the advertiser and then you look at photos all through the preseason and he's not fat at all. So I, I don't know what that was all about. Um, that was just a joke. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was just a joke too. Do people, people take that seriously? Jesus. It's I like the whole, so. um, is he still running the 3K time trial joke? I mean, come on. <laughs> He's not actually still running the 3K time trial. That's, that's me. That would, that would be me. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> All right. Well, look, um, hey, um, but I guess just talk about Tom quickly, very quickly. Yep. Uh, I guess could that have been maybe a selection decision where Need was omitted and Tumpus took his forward pocket position? And we brought in another tool, or left Lobie in the side. No, because Tumpus doesn't have the chase or the awareness to play Need's role that he's trying to play, at least. Well, neither does Need, because he's not doing anything. No, Need's got the awareness and the chase, but he's struggling to do it. I think that's a different thing. Whereas I don't think it's an attitude that realistically Tumpus actually has not proven at any, any, any stage at AFL level, personally. Sure. I think he's good running with the ball going forward, but I don't think he's good at being up forward and then getting the ball, if, if you see the distinction. Um, and yep. All right, well, I guess we'll move on to quickly to the Magpies game. I don't have a lot to say about it, and I don't know that you guys probably do either. Uh, we're playing on Sunday. Are we doing our picks? Sorry? Are we, doing that, are we doing our picks before, before no, the Maggies? Always, that's always after Maggies, Rick. Come on, chop, chop. I'll give Sorry, you a rundown. Don't, don't you read the rundown. Um. Yeah, I've closed it. I thought we were logging <laughs> off about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't keep interrupting, we can shut down. So shut up, Rick. Um, I've been to my 15th hour here at work, you know. It's getting a bit um, delusional. Yeah. Okay. Um, Next game is on Sunday at 2.10pm, playing against Sturda Unley Oval. Um, Obviously, the massive inclusions and uh, outs uh, in the power side has made some changes to the Magpie side. Um, obviously big question marks I suppose the main discussion point we've really already covered which is Chad Corns getting stuck into the side and I think that you'd have to say that the selections of who came into the power kind of showed that um, he might have been right in that I think players that we were talking about being indirectly criticised actually did get in the side uh, for this week so um, 
I don't know. Uh, everyone would have thought that with so many AFL players in the team last week, we should have beaten Centrals. And you'd have to say that again. You know, we've still got a. I reckon it's still a pretty solid lineup with, especially with a guy like Lobby coming back to the lower level. You'd have to think he'll dominate, and that should give us enough to get on top. Um, any thoughts on the Magpies game at all? Do you know anything? No. Uh, pass. Pass. Okay. Sorry, too far away. Ladies, <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into the final wrap-up. So, um, guys, what's your winning side and your margin for the game and your highest goal kicker? Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, come on, Rick. Coward. Um, Port Adelaide, 32 points, and Aaron Young with six goals. <laughs> All right, Dylan. Jeez, I like that. Um, okay, in the spirit of Macca, who isn't on this podcast right now, I'm going to say uh, Richmond to win. Uh, let's say by six goals. Can't okay. see it being close with our tools. Yeah. And right. Charlie Dixon a kick. Charlie Dixon a kick three. You know, our, yeah. our shining light. Look, um, I'm going to say that I reckon. Uh, I reckon Port will make it more respectable because I just don't think Richmond have got it in them to dominate to the extent that we would expect them to. I reckon. I reckon we'll finish the game about four goal loss. Um, because I reckon that after they're well up, I think Richmond will take the foot off the pedal and then we might get our what, our last quarter salute to say, oh, we broke even in the second half or something. Um, and I think our highest goal kicker... Look, I think Charlie Dixon is the guy it's going to come down to, I agree, um, because he will have a lot of space in that forward line. If he starts leading, and then in theory he could take a bunch of marks and kick a bunch of goals, particularly with Rance out. Um, that's a, a bit yeah. of a... That, that, that's his best opponent for them gone, so he should really stand up this week. Um, the next category is the immediate, which is uh, just who do you think is going to make an impact that you otherwise wouldn't have expected? And we need one from Port Adelaide and Richmond, and you're going to start, Dylan. All right. Um, can I give you a 20, 2016 exclusive one? Um, yeah. Which might not make sense in, in, a, in a larger context, but I'm going to say um, Dustin Martin, and okay. I'm going to say why, because I think he's going to kick a nice big bag on us. And because he's only kicked two goals from five games this year. So mm. Hardwick's going to be like, all right, this guy, this guy is a game changer for us. Why aren't we playing him forward? They're going to plonk him forward. And he's just going to dominate us because he's, he's usually a very good uh, one-on-one. And don't know if we have the guys to take him on. Fair enough. And, and, he Port Adelaide and the Port Adelaide, uh, I don't know, Cam O'Shea, uh, 400 intercept marks. <laughs> Bog, three votes. Sounds good. Sounds good. And uh, Rick, who's your uh, immediate for um, Richmond and for Port? Well, I'm going to have to go Aaron Young with my call of six goals. Yeah. So, um, so I'll have to stick to that one. Um, closely followed by Dougal Howard with 50 hit outs and three goals. And for them, I'm going to go Hampson. If they're going to win, he's probably going to bob up and kick four goals and take 10 marks inside 50 and Look like an absolute superstar. Yeah. Uh, look, mine are on a similar vein. The Richmond one for me is going to be Vickery. Um, I don't really rate Vickery, but I think he could kick five or six, honestly, um, just because we had that mismatch in defence um, and the fact that he can sort of rotate through Ruck a bit as well. Uh, as for Port, I reckon my player for this is going to be Brendan Archie. Um, I think we saw late last year when we had secondary midfielders come in, but they still had a lot of responsibility in the side was when he shone. And I think that we might hopefully see a return to that this week where he is high enough in the priority of midfielders that can, he can play the game and get the opportunities that he needs to, to play well. So I'm going to go with Brendan Archie to 
come in and be a, a surprise performer this week, hopefully. Um, one of the last things, just bet Is the house. Our... Yep. Sorry? Yes. No, you're right. Keep going. Do that yeah. first. Okay, the bet the house. Um, <laughs> name one thing that you think is kind of risky, but you, you theoretically bet a house on to say, yeah, this is definitely going to happen. Just try and push that edge. Um, we're very much in the habit of losing houses at Port Fan Radio this week, so uh, we're not doing too well, but uh, have a crack. <laughs> what, what's, what's your guess there, Rick? What's your bet the house for this week? Bet the house. Oh, I reckon Charlie Dixon to kick more than four or more goals. I'm going to play it a little bit safe this week. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, Dylan? All right, here's one. But if if I get up, then maybe as a reward, I win 10 houses to spend for the next uh, few podcasts. <laughs> um, I'm thinking Troy Chaplin to kick a career-high three goals if he plays forward. Uh, which, which is incidentally would be equaling his season high for goals as well. So, right. yeah, I don't know. I, I have a lot of bad thoughts about this game. All right. Mm. Okay. If I have to pick mine, um, it's going to be a Richmond player, and it's going to be Sam Lloyd. Um, last week, I think he was a player that was involved in a lot of really, uh, really important plays for Richmond. Any time they did something, you thought, oh, that counted momentum, or that that was just really good link work. Um, he was involved. Uh, and I reckon he's going to get at least 25 disposals, and I reckon he'll kick three or four goals. Probably I'll have to, yeah, three or four goals. I reckon Sam Lloyd. He's just. I don't think we've got a match up for him personally, particularly with Jonas having to probably play tall on someone like Vickery. I think that we just don't have anyone that can shut down Lloyd. He's in really good form right now. Um, he's in the peak of his career, and I, yeah, I think he's probably my bet the house for this week. Good call. Mm. If right. we lose, is it yeah. season over? Just quickly. Um, I'm not even thinking about that now. I'm thinking about coaches over. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like, particularly the fact that we're doubling down with all these things, with you know heaps and heaps of flankers on the field, like that's a selection committee. Um, that's a yep. huge selection, selection committee risk, and the selection committee is the coaches. And if we get absolutely pasted, regardless of doing that weird thing, or maybe even because of doing that weird thing, then you'd have to say that's probably the main impact from this. In theory, we could come back into finals if we get a dream run, if all our players come back. But I wouldn't. I would think that. I would honestly feel like we're already out of finals, personally. Mm-hmm. So, what you think a coach could be sacked before the end of the season? Uh, if we don't have at least a modest turnaround, yes. Mm. Mm. Interesting, Dylan. Yeah, look, um, I'm not optimistic for the season. So, <sighs> yeah, if we lose, if yeah, if we lose, I reckon that's our season done. I mean, Richmond, this Richmond's yeah. tower. Uh, mm. I can't see us making finals if we lose this one. I mean, it's where does the improvement come from? Really? Yeah, it's not Structure, basically. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't trust the coaches to even begin with the most basic improvement we can do, which is structure, because yep. they haven't been able to do it for years. You reckon a coach could get sacked before year end? Uh, before the year, uh, if things get that bad, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, if we sort of float around tenth, it'll it'll wait until the end of the year. Yeah, which I think we're capable right. of doing. You know, we've got the quality to sort of jag a few wins, but you know, our coaching staff isn't doing enough to get us like as a consistent, real challenging side. Yeah, I, I think we're already at the point that KT should be having our guys start talking to assistant coaches at other clubs um, with an eye to find out what's out there, who might be interested, that sort of thing, before we say, you're out, Ken. 
Um, it's the sort of thing mm-hmm. that, you know, responsibly you should be doing already just to get an idea of, you know, who might actually come to Port Adelaide, which I don't think we've done necessarily in the past when we made our big offers to people like Leon Cameron who's like, oh, yeah, nah. So um, we'll see. Uh, all right. Well, look, we're about ready to wrap up. Um, so uh, the most important thing, if you've hung in this long, well done. Thank you for listening in. Uh, and uh, just a reminder to review us on iTunes. Um, if you do that before, I think it's the end of May, um, you'll be in the running for a prize. 16th. Room tickets. The 16th of May, there we are. You'll be in the running for a prize yep. of locker room tickets to the Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide versus West Coast match at Adelaide Oval, which uh, apparently is a fantastic yes. experience. Um Everyone speaks very highly of it. You see a lot of things behind the scenes that you wouldn't even read on Big Footy. Um, I didn't know apparently that uh, what Aaron Young juggles before the game. I didn't know that. Um, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> Just remember, Anna. you gotta you gotta like. The, feel free to like the Big Footy podcast too, but you gotta like Port Fan Radio. Yeah. Um, so like like Big Port Fan Radio on uh, iTunes because that way. It's supporting all the shows and promoting all the shows and, and not just the Big Footy show. So can we do this if we don't have an iTunes account or if we don't use iTunes? I think you need an iTunes account. So, well, you need an iTunes account, I think. But yeah, get a friend to do it. Well, tell your friends, everybody. Yeah. And, and tell and your friends. Radio. It's free to make an iTunes account. Mate, I, don't use, uh, I don't use iTunes, but I've got an iTunes yeah, but, account. But out of, out of principle. Yeah. What principle? Uh, stop being an Stop being an Bloody Apple. Oh, I tell you. This is going to be a whole thing, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to press any further on that. Um, all right, yeah. well, look, I think we're ready to I was, wrap I was up early. Oh, I'm joking. Yep. <laughs> Unless you've got no, a little data to share, I think it's uh, pretty much time to wrap this up. And uh, thank you, everyone, listening in. And um, despite our pessimism, I think we all hope that Port Adelaide win and that uh, we are at the Alan Scott of the situation and that Ken Hinckley proves us all wrong. So let's hope that's the case, that we're all idiots. Um, I'll cop to it and I'm sure you will and anyone else in the chat will. Thanks for listening in and can't Port Adelaide. Can't Port. Go the Demons! Can't Port. Thanks, guys. Though by Broadbent through the middle of the ground. Now a long kick down in the Paul Stewart direction. He marks and plays on. He keeps his footing. Got away from Ferrito to 